0: Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds having over 200 speaker files as well as forms for ordering CDs of these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service going. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ira. Hi there everyone, my name is Ira, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi And I'd like to thank Walter for asking me to do a 12-step call. Some of you know me. Um, what I've been fond of saying both in this program and the other, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, is I'll go anywhere to hear me talk. So. <laughs> and we also have this saying because everybody here on the west side is so pretty. But what they used to say at uh, NAA from those of us who are from the valley. We may not be pretty, but we are sincere. So, um. <laughs>
1: um,
0: to qualify, I mean, I was very—you know—it's great to see, you know, newcomers get up, and, and, and there is a purity about this meeting that I really, I do appreciate. You know, um, uh, I talked to some, a couple of old timers. There's a lot of, and I've done a lot of service. Uh, certainly, at the InterGroup World Surface Live went to 13 conferences and and so on. Um, OA keeps trying to sell itself when it doesn't have to. You know, you can't sell this thing to anybody. You have to experience it because that's the only thing that people will believe. Especially if you are a conniving, um, self-deceiving son of a bitch like me. You know, first of all, I don't trust anybody. I, I, I. Um, and this is also a physical thing. This is a physical world we live in. And in my experience spirituality is very difficult because it goes contrary to human nature. You know, I mean, I don't want to get too deep. I mean, I may, but thank you. All right, that's it. Any questions? <laughs> um, but uh, just to qualify, I have been continuous, continuously abstinent and in this program in Sober and Alcoholics Anonymous, Absent and over years now since September 7th of 1983. So, God willing, June 7th will be 24 years and 9 months. I've been, um, <laughs> I've been maintaining now, it's back up to 140 pound weight loss now for 22 years. My high weight was 325, and my driver's license when I came in here lied, in that it said that I was uh, 5'11 and weighed about, to, let's see what did it say 260 when in fact not only did I weigh at least when I came in here at least 320 uh, but, you know I had, was coming down from another diet so I was but I was well in the 300s but I've never been over five six and a quarter in my life That <laughs> <laughs> shows you to the lengths, you know and 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 I have to understand something you know like and you heard it in chapter five it's read at every meeting that that um, the key about honesty is, you know, like like my friend Ken, who I, I I tell somebody what I'm going to eat every day, and I still have my I've had the same sponsor, my spiritual advisor for 22 years, Marty. And and the th- the thing is is he says you know like if you're lying, it's not that you're lying to me, it's you're lying to yourself. So I'm I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, and, and You know, people are fond of quoting out of this book. I was told to read two pages of this book every day and reread it. I don't do it as religiously as I used to, but when you've gone through it 18, 19, 20 times like that, different stuff pops out at different times because it's, you know, there are certain things that come up. You know, in fact, I had somebody tell me, uh, one of my early sponsors, uh, you know, I had more than one. I was calling my I call my food in every day that's how I do it. some people write it down some people you know I mean but I have to manifest this thing physically It's not enough to say I'm powerless over food because if I'm going out and eating again right I'm denying my powerlessness because if I know that I can't eat for instance in my case red meat it's binge food for me and i was I was told um. A long time ago, get a yellow piece of paper, write down in in one column, put the foods. that don't matter to you. You know, like I never started a binge on cucumbers. You know, crunchy as they are, I never started a binge on cucumbers. You know, not that all vegetables, but I mean the more specific I was, the better it was for me. That's what I was told. In the second column, foods that I could eat. But that I needed to limit in some way or another, either the amount, the context in which I ate it, the place, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, for instance, I can have up to a half a chicken, but if I eat more than that, I start to think about it ten days from now, you know. And then on the third column, which is the right column, the alcoholic foods, the foods for which one bite is one too many, a thousand is not enough. Sugar of any kind, candies. You know, I could take, I, I could go to C's candy. You know, by, uh, and that, that was a relief, because my thing was like big amounts of belly meat and, you know, potatoes and all that. And, you know, to those people who say you shouldn't mention food, I don't understand. I'm a sober alcoholic. And what I relate to is somebody talking about, like, how they got drunk. And I say, yeah, that's me too. See, so how can you not mention food at over years now? I don't understand that. Uh, in fact, in here, let, let me see if I find the, uh, I can find the page. In here, in. Um, uh, hang on one second. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. That's working not what with I'm. Others, no, Eskimo no. Parts, yeah, the Eskimo thing. Yeah. Working with others. Here. Okay. Anyway, the point is, um, what it says here, I think it's at the end of that chapter, if I recall. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, it's on 101. We meet these conditions every day, which is that people are drinking, eating, using, or whatever. An alcoholic or an overeater who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic or an overeating mind. There was something the matter with his or her spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be some, someplace like the Greenland Ice Cap, and even there an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch or a, a, a pound of sea's candy and ruin everything. Ask any woman or, you know, send her husband to distant places on the theory of escape. The point is, is that if you have to escape an overeater's not <laughs> from there, that's, that's what it's talking about. And, and, and so the idea that, and, and we get into this stuff in here, of we can't have any crosstalk because we won't feel safe. Well, I'll tell you something. I'd rather feel unsafe and abstinent than safe and weigh 325 pounds. See? It's, it's amazing how we're... we're we, the, the whole point, as I understand it, and I'm only sharing my experience, is to overcome these negative feelings That I have, I'll have them. But I remember hearing a speaker one time, a long time at a a PG meeting, who who, she she had been sober a long time, and she said, the way she started her talk was, thank God I can walk the way I talk. Thank God I don't have to act the way I think. See, it's action, man. And what I was going to share with you is why I think, you know, that, um, and this is on page 20. It's one of my favorite quotes, and the reason I'm 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 hoping, as this book is supposed to like make Excel, uh, make you feel like you relate to this stuff as many of us as possible, and that's why we use it so much because the book has no private agenda. Maybe I do, but the book doesn't. You know. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's 18. I'm sorry, not 20. Okay. This is and this is why I believe in this program. There's so much difficulty with getting it. Now, I've been a member of both for a long time. I've done a lot of service in here for a long time. And what I've seen while AA has grown is OA has basically either stayed the same or gotten smaller. I know that in the Valley, uh, at its height in uh, the late 80s, we had 90 meetings. We're down to, like, less than 60. I think it's similar in L.A. And I'm not, by the way, criticizing. I'm just saying... For me, I'd love to see this thing growing. I think this is great. you know. But this is what it says, and I think this, is, this speaks to it. It says, highly competent, this is in the middle of 18, highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with this have found it sometimes impossible to persuade, and I'm going to paraphrase with overeater, to discuss his or her situation without reserve. In other words, honestly and openly. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. By the way, this is true in meetings. You know? And now, generally, when this book italicizes something, it's trying to make a point. It says, but the X problem overeater who has found this solution is properly armed with facts about himself. Can generally win, check this out, the entire confidence of another overeater in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. So it isn't how many meetings you go to. I, I hear people say, you know, and, and, and again, it's my opinion only. I, well, I've been in a program 20 years, and I'm abstain, abstaining five days. And what I was taught in AA is no, you haven't been in a program 20 years. You've been maybe going to meetings for 20 years. But going to meetings isn't doing a program, the program is in here. And it's hard. It's not easy. Because, again, it goes against our nature. Um, My wife, who is now abstinent, 15 years, she she has a way of saying, you've got to fight for the right to be uncomfortable. If I pursue comfort, I'm dead. Because, naturally, what's the thing that's going to make me... Listen, I had a rough time, big steak in my case, cooked as little as possible, you know... um, You know, a huge amount of potatoes, uh, you know, followed by a couple of uh, sevens and sevens. In my case, after dinner, one became two, became four, became six. And then I woke up the next morning sweating, you know. So, of course, I'll think that that's comfortable. And I think that what we worry about too much, this is, again, it's my opinion only, you know, um... Uh, you don't have to worry about me thinking I'm God because, like, if I looked in the mirror and thought I was God, I'd laugh too, you know? So, I mean, God is not a five-foot, six-and-a-half Jewish guy with an attitude, you know? <laughs> so, but any, anyway, uh, humor has come back, you know, and I understand that I use humor, like, sometimes to cover my own anxiety. You see, it's self-discovery, and I cannot do that if I'm eating because if I'm denying powerlessness... I'm also denying, see, see the other thing about if I'm overeating, and the way the book talks about it, I'll, 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 pair, I'll, I'll give you what my take is, because that's why I'm here, is there are only, according to this, in chapter 5 and 6, three reasons why we eat. Fight, flight, or animal instinct, I'll put it like that, where we go crazy. Fight, uh, fight being resentment or anger. Flight being fear. Or and it says now about sex, you know. Now, now what it's talking about is like you know where we're uncontrolled lust, you know. Like all of a sudden, you know, I decide to blow the everything, and I wake up three days later. What the hell did I do? You know, one of those kind of things. So there are only three reasons why I would do myself in, according to this. Okay, so. If I'm back to doing it, it means that I'm into one of those things. I'm either really angry at somebody, I'm really scared to death about something, or I've lost my mind. You know. Knowing and, and the thing about insanity too. It's interesting, you know, like well, you know, a lot of people in especially in here say, well, you know, like I mean life is pretty good, I just eat too much. But what's our number one instinct? What's survival, right? Okay, so if I'm eating, and, I, and it causes me medical problems, and I don't stop. If it's causing me, and, and, you know, like I used to say, you know, L.A. is an image town. I happen to be in the entertainment business. You know, I'm, I'm, very, I'm one of the luckiest, most fortunate people I know, and I never had that until I came in here. You know, I write music in the entertainment business, but the point being that this is an image town. okay. And I used to say a 325-pound drunk trumpet player isn't, in L.A. is not a good career choice. You know, you, you know what I mean. It's like to expect it to change. If that's the, the whole point: is to expect anything to change in order for me to be okay. Forget it. People die. Relationships end. Money goes away. Children grow up. We have attitude, you know, um, uh, so I need something outside of myself to believe in. And the problem is, if I'm eating, if I've broken my abstinence, whatever that means, it means that, like, I'm now at the effect of, or somebody's got power over me, see. And the paradox is, in order to get this, and I am powerless over them, people, places, and things, whatever you want to call it, see. So, in order for me to be free, I've got to own it. So the idea of, well, I love this one too. Well, I'm afraid if I give it up, I'll feel deprived. Well, tough. Tough. You know, they told me something in AA, and Walter may remember this from, you know, we've known a couple of alcoholics who were pretty tough guys, but uh, they told me there are two words that are going to be the toughest words you're ever going to hear, over in sobriety. You know what they are? Grow up, you know. A lot of us like to think, and I'm our. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, my my sponsor was a music director, and I like I say, I'm a music, uh, a composer, arranger. I do a lot of different stuff, and and it's been great. And by the way, this too shall pass, you know, because it all does, you know. Um, uh, but he said, "Oh yeah, our, our, you're an artiste with an accent grave on the e." He says, "All that means is you can't hold down a day job." You know, he was right. <laughs> he told me something else too. The only people who start on top are grave diggers. You know, <laughs> uh, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. See, see, and you remember this stuff. But you know the one that I don't hear, and we we used to I used to hear it a lot in here. That really was important to me that I never hear anymore is. It was a slogan that said, over your Zanamas will love you until you learn to love yourself. And true love is not based on on people pleasing. True love is, and, and a speaker said this, I love you, what you think of me doesn't matter. It's wanting you to win regardless of what you think of me. And I think sometimes, like with the birthday party, I mean, I, I, I respect it, but I think there's a lot of selling that we that you know look how big this meeting is. It's great. Everybody throws in like out of gratitude for the seventh tradition. You covered your rent. If people have some more gratitude, they'll be able, you'll be able to send stuff to the, to the intergroup office, right? If meetings did that, you wouldn't have to worry about a birthday, right? So 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 it's like it's it's in each of each of us. And, and it's never over because my life is never over, you know, you know, it's gotten bigger and bigger. You know, one way to look at it is like this. When I first came to L.A., and I'm from Detroit originally, so all of you were wearing Celtics stuff. Um, my growth is, is I'm not giving you the finger. So, so. And not only that, my wife, uh, she likes to, we went out to Sandman well. She likes the slot machines. And it's got a sports bar, right? And all over the TV yesterday, man, it's like they're replaying the entire game, and I knew that they lost, you know. So it was very. So not only did I not overeat, but I didn't lose my temper. I didn't, you know, I mean, that stuff is important. Because it's not just about not overeating, you know. I mean, uh, it's about, not for me, not being a dry drunk, too, you know. Because that's, that's what dieting was for me minute I give up the food, my personality changes, you know. And, and so it's about, and that's what serenity is, by the way. Serenity is not, oh, geez, there was a nine-point earthquake. I like the wave, you know. That's not, that's, not, that's not serenity. Serenity is, you know what, that was a major disaster. I better check and make sure everybody's okay. Instead of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What, am I, what happened to my, you know. It's like, in other words, serenity is taking care of what I need to take care of. You know, one step at a time, what's in front of me. And what's been real helpful for me is is it's one day at a time. And and here's another thing. It's very interesting. I've been in meetings all over the world. And um, Southern California is the only place I know where we clap for everything. You know. Hey, I have five fing I have four fingers. Hey Great. Great. I only killed fourteen people today. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's an Al Anon thing. You only kill fourteen people, leave them alone, you know. Um, um but we forget why we're clapping. You know, we forget why why we're reading. It's not the achievement of somebody. It's that we're, we're affirming the program works. When somebody takes a chip, it's, it's, it's a reaffirmation that the program in somebody's life worked for 60 days. That's what birthdays are about. So when somebody gets up, and in fact, I had talks with my sponsor, and I, I, this I don't understand either. And, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm just, listen, I'm a lot more tolerant than I used to be. And if this is as good as it gets, then I'm way ahead of the game. You know, but somebody getting up to say, I, geez, I don't know if I should take this chip. You know what they would tell me in AA is, don't take it then. Because if you can't inspire somebody, why are you getting up there? And here's why we have to inspire somebody. And I'll get back to the physical reason of this, the ingenuity of the program. Is, you know, my wife is very, and she's very highly successful, very motivated, smart lady. And she, is, she likes to think of herself as being multitasked. And I, I can't do that. You know, I mean, I, I can't screw in a light bulb either. But it doesn't make me a bad person. It just makes me a klutz. But um, uh, you cannot think of two things at the same time. What happens is you can think of one thing to another very quickly. But these guys figured this out. So if I'm, guess what, if I'm talking to to, to Rochelle, right? And I'm asking her how she's doing. Right? I'm not thinking about how bad I feel. If I'm actually listening to I can't listen to her and think about me at the same time. And so what these guys figured out was is that if you share and you you, you think of each other, you're going to feel better. Now, here's where the disease comes in. I don't want to feel better. I want to be the center of attention, take no responsibility, and have everybody take pity on me. See? And that's why in alcoholics and meetings, they have a tendency to laugh at people who, and they make fun of themselves a lot when it comes to, like, their emotions. And we take ourselves. So it's just like I was saying, you know, over the last few years, everything seems to be funnier to me. You know, not. You know, I was at a at a funeral of a very, very beloved lady, uh, wife of a composer, yesterday, and uh, I mean, she was incredible. But, and I'm not saying that we we don't, you know. It says in the in the literature that we we do help wherever we can, you know. But then it says if he means business, you know. Um, but you know, it's like it's like. I don't know. It, it, it's you know, I, I, I you know, like we some of these formats, you know, are like there should be like volume five of the Serenity Sunday format, you know. It's it's it's, but maybe it's because we're younger, you know, that we still think that we have to control everything. And let me tell you what this whole thing about control and I'm a control freak and. It's like, like and, I, and, and, and a lot of people will, will bring, include, and I'm sure I did it too, bring their psychotherapy into this. Why are we doing that? Because I figure if I know why, then I can control it. So here's the bad news. is If you're truly a compulsive overeater like me, you can't control it. So it doesn't matter why. It's like they used to say to me, or my AA sponsor used to say, what's the first thing you do if you're in the middle of a burning house? Get out. Yeah. If you're somebody like me, I'm not leaving until I find out why that damn fire started. And I don't care if I die, but I'm not leaving, you know. You know, it's it's like it's like you get out. So like if if I if if I view compulsive overeating as a burning house, what do I got to do? Get out. Let's see? It's like, what, did it, what did I hear the other day? Or, well, I think I'll shoot myself in the head, and if it doesn't work I'll try again on Monday. You know, you know it's, 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 it's that, what I'm saying is, is it needs to be that, you know. And I know there isn't as much, um, or we think sometimes there's not as much social stigma to this as there is to alcoholism, but you guys know better you know that's what what do we say you know that people who are fat, people who are perceived they' fat you know we think that everybody's looking at us and you know and and I remember I had about five years in the program, and I was doing a session at Paramount recording date and I was there early and um, um i there was a guy that I knew who was the librarian. You know, that is the guy that passes out all the music and collated it and all that. And he was early. And it's a guy that I tried to talk into coming to OA. And lived by himself. And, and uh, not only was fat, I mean, you know, well into the 300s, but he wore fat. In other words, he wasn't like Jackie Gleason, fat, you know. And a producer comes in. First thing he says to me, because I was doing the supervision on this thing, he says, I want him out of here. I said, what do you mean? He says, I want him out of here. I said, well, that's a union issue. You can't, you know, you can't just throw somebody out. Well, I don't want him here. And what it was was, is this guy was nervous enough, and so he sees this sloppy guy, Passing out music, and he was afraid that that was going to cost him. What I'm saying is, I couldn't get into like, well, I'm a member of overage Islamists, and you have to treat this guy with dignity and all that. But like, I, you know, we, we we worked it out. But here's the thing: is the guy never knew? Now he didn't have to leave, but that really happened. And do you think that the guy who to to whom it happened? You know, maybe if he had not been in the disease, maybe you'd been more aware of his appearance. You know? Uh, My belief is, and like I say, I'm successful in the entertainment business. Ninety percent of all of it is how you deal with people. And my feeling is the steps learn, help me to learn about me. The traditions help me to learn about how to deal with people. So, you know, sometimes we we have a tendency to, to, like, blow away the traditions or, or um, you know not take them as seriously because we're so least I'm self-centered, what about me? you know Enough about me tell me what you think of me you know that kind of thing. But the traditions are important you know and including the first one. Uh, you know it's just our common welfare comes first, our recovery depends on our unity. And uh, I'll give you an example. this is my thinking about this stuff and it's helped me. And I and, and lately, you know, I'm not involved with intergroup stuff like I used to be or world service. And it's good. It's time for other people to make the mistakes that I made. You know, in fact, Len said to me one time, he says, I re, you know, we were talking about it. He says, they're never going to do it right. You know, we were talking about <laughs> it. And you're right. You guys are never going to do it right, you know. But this, I love this meeting. You know, I, mean, I wish I could get here. I'm, I live in uh, Calabasas. And... Um, you know generally, my wife and I are so busy that weekends, I'm secretary of a meeting, it happens at 2:30 in the afternoon on Saturdays. And um, I'll tell you something else. You never know how this stuff um, is going to work. Um, two years ago, I figured my career in a movie business is over, I'll take my pension. My, my career now is I'm going to be 60 years old on my next birthday. I've done more all over all-nighters in the last two years than I had done in the previous twenty. And um, I don't know if you guys remember um, about a year ago in southeastern Alabama, there was a tornado that smacked into a high school, killed about eight people. Five of them who were music students, because it hit right where the rehearsal stuff. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, and here you do your work, you know, you see this, was, you never know, right? Unbeknownst to me. The guy who was in charge of wind music at the University of Alabama knew my stuff, which has all been since OA, right? And and he called me. He said, we want to hire you to do a memorial piece. Um, So I said, thinking, uh, geez, I've never been to Alabama. They're going to give me a free trip to Alabama. You know, I've never been. It would be interesting, you know. And, uh, of course, then they thought my coming to Alabama was, was you know, because I, and the truth was it was really, I, I told them I couldn't do a piece abstractly like that that's such a riveting thing, you know. I mean, eight kids died, you know, and all that. So I, I wrote a piece, and um, uh, it was premiered a year to the day uh, at the right in a church that had joined the school, which has been raised. There were two premieres, and um, since then, Noxos Records, which is a a commercial concern that that does classical music, I could get into a whole rap on the record industry, but this is what it's like for me today, um, is doing an album of three classical pieces that I wrote for commercial in the first quarter of next year. Uh, The University of Alabama Wind Ensemble and their singers, because it was for singers, um, spent 25 hours recording my music. We're going to mix it out here. I just did some stuff for Disneyland Tokyo. And they love what I've been doing. And like I say, this stuff will all pass. And I'm not saying it's because of my wonderfulness, but I'll tell you, I always had the chops. But what I never knew how to do was to relate to people. Because you know, it took me five years with my weight down at goal weight to not feel clumsy walking around like I was still 325. You know, um, it's taken all this time and constant sponsorship and all the mistakes to learn that you're just a human being in the world, but that's a fine thing to be. You know, that it's okay to just be me. See, um, so when I say our common welfare comes first, you see, I guess every everybody's on a path, and the way my sponsor Marty says it, he says the word is, is path, not paths, in chapter 5, thoroughly followed our path. He said, but the pace you take it is up to you and your higher power and nobody else. So when I heard, for instance, I got angry, because as an overeater and an alcoholic, one thing I've perfected to an art is the art of being offended, Um, (laughs) um, and self-righteous too, you know.
1: But when I heard about
0: this idea of high-end, what, I got five minutes? Okay, I'm going to cut it off, and then we'll get a couple questions. When I heard about this idea of high-end gifts to try and get people, you know, into the, I I really was strongly opposed to that, because here's the deal. If it's all literature and stuff like that, you know, we have varying people, people of varying incomes and abilities to, to participate. But you get a like a high-end gift, like say a trip to Mexico City, or you get you know something really material, right? It may be attractive, but like it, I'm I do well, and I'll have a tendency to want to buy. Being a typical, you know, one definition of an addict is one. If one is good. 36 will be fabulous, you know. Um, And if I have that, I'll want to buy 100 tickets. And what about the person who could barely afford the bus fare, let alone the 15 bucks to register? They're not going to be able to buy 100 tickets. So you've then divided Overeaters Anonymous into two two groups. And that that really doesn't help our unity because it creates resentment. So that's why I'm against stuff. I I'm against stuff I'm for a lot. I'm for OA. And, I, and things that I think take us away from OA. But my growth is, is that you know, let it happen. It's going to work out. So that's what I have to share. We've got a few minutes for questions. Thanks for letting me share. And, uh, I, hope, I hope somebody got something out of it. And at least what I know is I've got another couple hours of abstinence. So, you know. Uh, one day at a time. Does anybody have anything they'd like to ask or comment on? Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Ira. Ira, how did your higher power go into your, your religion as you were growing up? Were you able to put those together? Or... Yes, yes. I, I have, my spiritual journey has been all with the 11th step. I, I, I chanted Nanyahu Renge Kyo. I had a Gohansen for five years. I went to the mystic part of my religion, Judaism. When I grew up, my dad was a very angry man. He had come back from the war with some really scarred experiences. And I identified being Jewish with him, and I hated him. And so what's happened is is that um, it's come full circle. But I got into the mystic part of it. You know, Kabbalah and, and studied that, and, and it's all part of the 11th step. But the neat thing about OA is, and what you guys tell me is, is that there is no... There doesn't need to be uh, an, intermediary, an intermediary between me and God, or me and whatever the universe is. It's my actions. It's not what, like, my rabbi necessarily says or doesn't say or pre or any of that stuff, because they're just human beings. And and so that helped. For instance, uh, and the last thing I'll say about it, uh, we were doing. My favorite prayer is the first one I hear, heard in here, and that's the Our Father, to end the meeting. Because, you know, that's historically, like, I love that. And we were at a morning meeting in, in Reseda, and a Jewish lady, apparently an Orthodox Jewish lady said after, and, and they asked me to to, leave, to pick a prayer, so I did. She said, how do you be Jewish and say the Our Father? And I said, this Jew does. Because I understand what our Father means. You know, it's not, you know, this idea that it's a Christian. It's, it's the point. That, I'm not going to argue the point. I'm just saying it's, it's the sentiment that counts. It's the, the consciousness that counts. not like, I mean, you, you know, we could get real literal. So it's worked to make me, I think, more. I was in an Episcopal funeral yesterday and was able to relate to it because of these principles here. So we got a couple of minutes. Yes? Ira, could you say a little bit more about those two words, growing up, grow up? And... What do you need to know? <laughs> no, you know what it means is taking responsibility. It's not blaming everybody else, like little kids. You know, it's like, have you ever noticed, you ever notice, for instance, what do people say in here? It's it's amazing. What When... Um, they feel that their food is less in control. My food got bigger. They never say, I've been eating more. You ever notice that? People will say, my food, it's like a little kid tries to go up to the sh- shelf and, and gets the cookie and the jar fell, and mom comes in and says, what happened? She says, it fell. <laughs> you know? That's what growing up is. It's it's like it's like you can it's, it's like the same thing that we talked about. Well, I've I've been in a program and I've just been abstaining. You know, I've been in a program forty-five years and i been abstaining three days. You know, and, and, and I have to understand something. People who might get angry at that, it's it's all ego stuff. Every negative thought I have comes from ego. Every thought that Jesus, you don't like me. You know, and, and and part of growing up is to understand that not everybody's going to like me, and it doesn't matter if my be I am not responsible for instance tonight, today how for how, anybody how anybody feels in here. What I am responsible for is my behavior. You know, like I know this is being taped, and I am fond of four-letter words as much as the next person. However, it I I. If I'm representing Overeaters Anonymous, it's a good idea, you know, what am I trying to show you how, how masculine I am by showing you how salty my language can get, that if I'm going to be taped, that it's a good idea to remember that there are people who, are, who might listen to this who that, who that might make uncomfortable. And I am conscious of it. Now, the growth is, is that I'm less conscious of it. So that's it for me. Thank you for letting me share. It's been great to be here.